Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. On deck today, we're spotlighting the 1991 movie, The Rocketeer. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smithereens. And I'm Clifton. All right. So based on the comic book of the same name created by Dave Stevens, Rocketeer starred Billy Campbell, Jennifer Connelly, Alan Arkin, Timothy Dalton, Terry O'Quinn, and Paul Sorvino. Screenplay credits by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio. I hope I'm saying that right. And directed by the criminally underrated Joe Johnston, the same Joe Johnston that directed Captain America, the first Avenger. Just FYI. The film was released in 1991, but had been in development since 1983 when Stevens had sold the film rights. The film would, however, flounder around a development hell over creative differences, and the rights eventually reverted back to Stevens, who then let screenwriters Bilson and DeMio take a stab at the script. Stevens really liked their script, and then they tried to make the movie on their own and began shopping it to investors, notably at a time when Batman and Dick Tracy were still a few years off, so the film precedent had not been made for this kind of movie just yet. Disney, however, saw some merchandising potential for the property, optioned the rights. Joe Johnston then was a fan of the comic book, and when he found out that the rights were at Disney, he offered his services to direct and were off to the races. Rocketeer scored $46 million uh, off of a budget reported somewhere between 35 and 40. I couldn't find an exact figure. Plans were in place for sequels, but the disappointing box office was cited as the reason for those plans being shelved. So here we are, 30 years later after the fact. Let's spotlight Rocketeer. All right. I've been waiting forever to do this episode. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't wait. When we mm -hmm. would like... I wanted to start a podcast with you guys because like it was immediately like, oh, we could talk about the Rocketeer. <laughs> right. I love this movie. And then we had to wait a year for its 30th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. We decided to wait because because it was around the corner. So, yes. What'd you guys think rewatching it? Um, I was not as enthused as I thought I would be. Oh, <laughs> we're like two minutes into the show, man. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're already bringing it down. You hate everything we spotlight now. You hated no. Dick Tracy. I did. That's true. I didn't care for Dick Tracy. No, I, I mean, I liked it. I remember in my memory seeing it in the theater and I enjoyed it. And I liked, I thought uh, for fans of the comic, if you like the Dave Stevens original comic, you know, for the Rocketeer, I mean, he looks, uh, Billy Campbell looks just like Cliff Secord. Um, Jennifer Connelly may not look like Betty Page, but she's close enough. So it's not a bad thing. I mean, everyone pretty, I mean, the, like the look of the, the movie, I love still. I still love we that. We should explain the Betty Page thing, but we'll get to it. Yeah. We'll get to it in a second. Hold that thought. Keep going. Yes. So, I mean, I, overall, I enjoyed it. I just felt there was part of it there. I, I just felt like there was some moment where I went, it's not, I, I kept waiting for, like, I know I like the, you know, the air show scene's great and, and the build up to, you know, I guess like the, the restaurant scene is great, but I seen in my mind, I thought there's more to this, isn't there? And there wasn't. <laughs> so I, I had, I had that moment of, I mean, you know, it's, it's a fine, like the set pieces are fine and the story. I like, I think I like the, the actors and the, 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 the stuff it's based on more than I actually like the movie, I think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead and tell me I'm wrong. I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to see if Clifton and Tommy want to spot me first. <laughs> Anyone want to jump in? Any takers? <laughs> well, I was going to say, confession, this is my first time seeing it. Yeah, so that was the part I that I didn't know. I had no yeah. idea that Tommy had never seen it before. Oh, yeah, wow. I've never seen it before. <laughs> that was the best part. When we, were t we talked about it beforehand, and, and I found out that, because Tommy had, had said, this is what we're talking about? And I said, yes, this is what we're talking about. And then, it, not realizing, it was, a, it was a short conversation, and I had to come back to him later, and then I went, wait a minute. You've never seen this before. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. So, so, so seeing it from a, a modern lens, therefore, is where Tommy's coming from. I saw it pretty late, too. I actually saw it with, with you guys. Mm -hmm. Not Tommy, because Tommy hadn't seen it, but, but Clifton right. and Frank, like, you guys showed this to me. Yes. Like, I remember the first time I had seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it was about 10 years ago or so. Yes. Yeah, so I, I had missed it as a kid, um, mm -hmm. and, and the story I tell is that you know, I, I had a different memory of this because I was like the perfect age for the target audience this movie was trying to reach. So as I'm watching Saturday morning cartoons and after school stuff, right? Um, you know, well, I guess I guess it was summer. I guess it wasn't saying much after school stuff, but you get what I mean. Like, like sure. this movie was everywhere for me, right? Like so much so that like at however old I was, like 
eight, nine years old, I was like, man, enough already. Jeez, I'm sick of commercials for this thing. (laughs) And it was so big that I thought this movie was like wildly successful. Uh And it was really surprising to me when you guys pointed out that they're like, oh, no, like it didn't do very well. No, it just did okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where like when, when I looked at it, again, looking at the, the like I looked at Wiki and some other stuff about the numbers for it and it didn't do anywhere near what I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought for sure it done, you know, much, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to screw up a, like a Disney. I want to think about it now. I think it's kind of like, you know, Disney puts out a, a, a summer movie for kids or in the kiddish genre. And it's kind of like, oh, it's, you know, it's just a license to print money. But this was, you know, this was a couple of years, like you said, before. Well, is it a couple of years before Batman or a couple of years before Dick Tracy? No, it's it's two years after Batman, two years after. one year okay. one year after Dick yeah. Tracy. But, okay. but in development before those movies came uh, out. Okay, gotcha, yeah. I gotcha. So yeah, it's one of those things where I don't know, I don't know why it didn't do better. I mean, it seems like it should have been, especially for the stuff that was trying to homage, like the the, the Saturday morning serials and and the whole idea of trying to, you know, cash in and on the whole you know, Nazis are great villains that the Indiana Jones kind of established mm-hmm. why it didn't do better. I don't know. Because like you said, the, the marketing for it was all over the place. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, yeah, some people knew it was a comic book movie, but it wasn't, it wasn't, the, it was definitely wasn't the time of, you know, comic book movies were, were, you know, a solid bet. Right. So. And Disney live action was kind of in a, in a dearth at that yeah, point as I guess. well. Like their animation was ruling everything mm-hmm. at the time but their live action they had had a few years earlier honey i shrunk the kids as a hit sure ironically from joe johnston as well it was his right. only directorial <laughs> outing before rocketeer rocketeer mm-hmm. was the second directorial outing after <laughs> honey i shrunk the kids right uh so he had had success with them but yeah they hadn't had much live action uh home runs around right. that time the cast is stacked but they don't they don't come into it until like ten years later, like Margot Martindale. There's a lot the the cast is stacked. But a lot of big names that should have been in the movie weren't in it, so it was no draw for anyone. That's why to me, that's why it flopped. There's no one in that people want to say, Oh, I like that person. No, but you're right. I mean that there's a lot of people that, that at the time like nobody really knew a whole lot of who they were. And a lot of people that they wanted to be in it decline that would have pushed the movie forward like people compare it to batman but batman had three big name actors that people wanted to go see in the movie that uh billy d williams um jack nicholson and michael keaton that alone made people want to go see what what the movie was about let alone the franchise and then of course the rocketeer itself it's it was new in comics to begin with and not to say that that's a um defining thing for comics but um it wasn't enough of a draw for its fans to even bring it into it to make you want to see it mm-hmm. i mean i mean think about it, when we get back to let's if we're going to talk about the betty page stuff is i know one of the things that the knocks on it is that it, it is highly sanitized compared to the comic book okay in the sense that it's a disney they, movie let's right. take look, roll it back though so explain the betty page thing so apparently dave stevens you know had you know he thought thought highly of betty page and put her as a character in the book originally the the character of of jenny right she's betty blake in the book so she's not betty page she's just very clearly based on betty page right she's mm-hmm. clearly betty page and he and the, the way i had heard it was that he had put aside like from the beginning he basically put aside a more a portion of whatever he made because i guess people at the time we they, there was a, it was you know it's not like now where i guess it's easier to find people no, no one really knew if betty page was even still alive so I had heard the story that, that Dave Stevens had basically put a chunk of stuff away, like a portion of what he thought was legally what she would be owed if she were basically given her right to be in the book or her likeness to be in the book. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that she was alive. And then in the book, it's much more of an idea that, you know, Betty Page is, is a pinup, <laughs> a pinup uh, burlesque, you know, uh, model in reality, as opposed to Jenny, who's, who's an actress. You know, they definitely cleaned it up for um, for Disney for a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's but the thing is, like when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how you know I had that moment of like when I was looking at it. It's such a weird thing to watch superhero movies before the time of fan service. Mm-hmm. 
And the idea that like I kept looking for stuff, I'm like, well, maybe this is a nod to something I don't know about. Like the, the numbers on this mean something. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think anyone really did that at the time. But I was also thinking about, you know, if if you were a fan of The Rocketeer and you wanted to see this movie and you knew that it wasn't going to be, um, you know, they changed the character of from from Betty to Jenny. I mean, there was one like in the days of the internet where people were able to like, or Twitter, you know, no one could Twitter bomb <laughs> Rocketeer right. for being a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if that was a reason why it didn't connect with people that were, who were fans of the comic or it just wasn't, I don't know if it wasn't kid friendly enough or I don't know. I don't know why it didn't do better. Yeah. The Betty page aspects from the book, it's Disney. It's not really all that tough to understand why they would tone it down. Sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> you sure. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think they also changed it possibly before it got to Disney because I've tracked down four drafts of the Rocketeer script, mm-hmm. four okay. different drafts, one, two, four, and five, mm-hmm. five revised. And, and the character's name is Betty through all of them up until 30 pages into the fifth draft. And then mm-hmm. it alternates throughout the rest of the fifth draft, depending on which pages were revisions. And the fifth draft was the, the, I think basically the shooting script for the film. Cause the fifth draft was dated 1990. Mm. And I had always, like, I'd always knew they changed the name away from Betty because just to avoid Betty page. And then I always kind of suspected they changed it to Jenny to be a play on Jennifer Connelly uh, because okay. Betty mm-hmm. was always in the, in the book and in the, in the early versions of the script, they spelled it with a, with a Y instead of an I E and Betty page was spelled with an I E. So they right. were already changing it just a little bit to make it a play. So I, I suspected they changed, uh, changed it to Jenny specifically just to, to reference Jennifer Connelly. And then when it shows up so late in the, in the script drafts, I think I was correct in that. I think she had already been cast by the time they decided to call her Jenny. But uh, Dave Stevens has spoken on it uh, when asked about it and what he had asked to the question of, of what happened to the Betty uh, is his quote says, well, the problem with the film version of the Rocketeer was that it ended up at Disney and they wanted nothing to do with a female character that was based on a real person for rights reasons. Plus it was a very sexy character and Betty Page had really caught on in pop culture before we even got into pre-production. So they immediately called for changes in the character. We were still calling her Betty in the first few versions of the script. But by the time we were shooting, the name and appearance had changed and she wasn't Betty anymore. Uh. So that was the explanation he gave. I have seen people point out that they didn't have any other problems with other people being clearly based on real life people. Yes. Uh Uh, So what I suspect, and we'll get into those other characters too, because I mean, we've got Howard Hughes, we've got W.C. Fields, mm. Neville Sinclair is clearly based on Errol Flynn. Yep, right. And then another character we'll probably get into, Luther, is based on, on actor Rondo Hatton, who appeared mm. in The Brute Man from Universal Pictures playing the Creeper, which is what that character is called throughout all the versions of the script I've seen. Oh, really? That, yeah. The heavy Luther is called the creeper the whole yes. time? He's okay. never called Luther in the first draft. I'm not sure later. He's only referred to as the creeper ever, which is the character that Rondo Hatton played in The Brute Man from Universal Pictures in 1946. Okay. And then the appearance is based totally on him. There was also a Scooby-Doo villain in season one called the creeper. That's also based on him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Just to throw that out there. Apparently he's, he's a much referenced uh, actor. Uh, for his his horror stalker, creepy kind of horror roles, mm-hmm. but one thing that uh, that I will bring up is that around the time the movie was going into pre production, Betty Page was being treated in a mental health facility uh, after okay. run-ins with the law, violent run-ins in some cases, and I think that might be an extra thing of Disney sure. being like, nope, like we're changing this, right. Like, uh, and she was released several mm-hmm. years after the film and, and did become friends with Dave Stevens. They actually formed a close friendship after that. But that's one thing I've always suspected might, might have been at play in, in why her particular, they were like, nope. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like the pinup stuff, that was gone from the, from that's not even in the first draft of the script. In the first draft of the script, she is an actress. 
Um, there are some changes to personality, minor changes, but she's mostly the same as we see her. I mean, my, my thing is, I don't need it. I'm perfectly yeah. happy with, 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 <laughs> with the Jenny that we have. Uh, I right. love it. Like, <laughs> you know, right. like the change makes sense in the storyline that we get where the, the Errol Flynn character, the Neville Sinclair character is such, is such a pivotal villain. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, he appears in it too, but I think it just tightens the script. It brings, it gives her more to do by right. making her an actress and closely connects her to the Neville Sinclair character. Yeah, so we right. get that plot playing all the way along. I remember when I was watching it this time around and I was taking my notes and stuff like that. Like I wrote tight script. I wrote super yeah. tight script yeah. in my notes. Cause I had a moment, Frank, like, like when, when we went to see back to the future in a, in a film festival that was playing in the theater and we were like, man, right. like, this is so tight. Like I had that feeling where I'm just like, this is, <laughs> I'm like, everything is do like, there's not a scene I can pull out of this movie. Right. And it wouldn't suffer. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, remarkably lean every scene is doing multiple things right everything pays off yeah and it's like like jenny being connected to neville like it doesn't none like like none of it feels contrived to me like i like i can i i i'm okay i can eat all of the the decisions that they're giving me right like all the mm-hmm. choices that they're giving me like i'm like ah, i could take it that's i get it right that makes sense you said something interesting about fan service, right? Though, and um, I would argue, I think, because I think that Batman's a funny thing, right? Batman eighty nine. I would argue, even though I can look at a picture of Michael Keaton in that costume and go, "That's Batman," any mm-hmm. idiot can tell that's Batman, and any sure. idiot can tell that's the Joker, right? I still though, like, I look at the way that Gotham City looked. And I look at the costumes and I just look at the overall feel of that movie and the style of that movie. And I'm like, I'm like, there's not a, a desire to be photo like accurate to the comic here. Right. Right. Whereas I think Rocketeer is kind of an important movie in that way that besides Christopher Reeve, Superman. I'm like, I'm impressed that they didn't change the look of the costume. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, that's like, that's what he looks like. It's, it's those pants. It's those boots. It's that leather jacket. It's the helmet, the way that it's drawn. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it looks like the comic top to bottom. Right. They redesigned the jetpack. though. They redesigned the jetpack, which is, which was an interesting note. It's in my note too. I'm like, yeah. interesting that they, that they redesigned that, which right. may be besides the helmet. I think like one of the more important pieces. Yeah. But, um, well, that's what I, something I read that about about him about Dave Stevens was that he said that you know he was, you know he may, he was basically on set as much as he possibly could be and didn't want to be a nudge or be a nuisance, but at the same time he was afraid that if he wasn't there, they would try to change stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a credited producer on the movie. Yeah, he right. Is. Yeah, you know, and and I've and I've heard a lot of stories about the movie too, where they wanted to modern day it and. Mm-hmm. and you know, and then they cited Indiana Jones as like, no, there's an appetite for like this period piece adventure movie that we're that we're doing and stuff. So, I mean, like this could have easily been a very different movie. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I would have been surprised if Joe Johnston didn't want to keep it in the period, though, because he had right. been art director on Temple of Doom, yeah. storyboarded other Indiana Jones stuff, but like he was especially involved in Temple of Doom. So like he had practice at that period and could mm-hmm. do it well. Right. And then does it again <laughs> and does it again later with Captain America. Right. There's a shot though at the end of the movie, like like in the climax of the movie, like in the in the blimp sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Where Cliff, you know, flies up with the rocket pack and he's on a roof and the American flags in the in the background and right, he right. and he like and he strikes a pose. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I'm like I'm like, that's a cover. Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. from a cover specifically. And I, and in my head, I'm going like, this is the first comic movie to do that. I think to do like here's a cover from the from the book that you mm-hmm. all know, and here it is recreated. You know? With the gun, like holding the gun that he actually doesn't really even use in the movie. Right, right. Because no. <laughs> he loses it as soon as he gets it. Yes. Yeah. After, after that. that shot. <laughs> I love that. Oh, oh, Cliff is not the one you want in the fight. No. <laughs> no. No. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I mean, sure that there's like, there's 
Christopher Reeve flying and then Superman straight. But there's no there's no like iconic. There's no like action comics number one reenactment in in Superman. Right. You know what I mean? There's nothing like that. And I'm just like, I'm like, okay, like this is this is the first movie I think that's sort of like, like, okay, this may be an inch people want to scratch. Yeah, I think, which I thought was interesting. And I like, yeah, I don't think this movie gets enough credit for that, for kind of recognizing that, like, no, people kind of want it to look like the comic book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's do that. There was an Easter egg this time on viewing that I that I thought might be an Easter egg. I don't know if it was because it's, it's part of the plot where the mobsters stash the rocket when they're on the run from the feds in the early in the film before Cliff gets it, they stash it in his hangar. Right. And one of the mobsters swaps it out with a vacuum cleaner. So he takes the vacuum cleaner and leaves the rocket so that people will think he's got the rocket that's destroyed. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the like the one thing about it is when they show like the the mangled remains of of what people think is the rocket that's really a vacuum cleaner, I thought that looks more like the rocket in the comic than the rocket in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. I think it was I think it was a nod to that. I think right. like, yeah, like well, that's that's our play. Is people expect it to look like that, but it's it looks like this other thing. Mm. We'll we'll post pictures from the comic and and stills from the movie on let me know how it is dot com. But to but to describe to listeners the the way it looks in the comic, it's it it looks like a purple rocket. Like what mm-hmm. you would expect, like 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 a Looney Tunes firework to look like, right? right? Like to a be drawn tube, a circular mm-hmm. tube with like the little cone shape on top, and it's you know, and it's, and fire comes out the back of it, and that's right. and that's it. Like it's a, it's a, it's a it's got fins. incredibly simple design, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they redesigned it for the movie to be sort of like the the twin jet, you know, yeah, it's kind more of Art Deco, yeah. Which I mean, again, I didn't see it until I, until later on. You know, but I wasn't connected to it in that way. So, like, it, right. it, that's a change I'm I'm good with. I don't know. I mean, maybe that there were people in during the day, right? At the time, of, you know, they were like, "Oh, this is I don't like this." It, I mean, it is it is the weird um, exception to the rule of everything I'm saying, where it's like so faithful and trying to look like the book, down to like the restaurant, which is yeah. a yeah. dog. The restaurant <laughs> looks like a dog. The diner mm-hmm. shaped like a bulldog. Yeah, right. And it's an odd choice. If you just see the movie, you're like, why is why is the diner like in the shape of a bulldog? Why are but they like, hanging out in the head? Why are they right? just sitting around in the head of this dog? But it's pulled from the book. Like, yep. the bo- yes. like that's that's what their hangout looks like in the book. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's so to go to that level and then to change the rocket, I think, is is interesting choice. But, you know, like I said, I can eat it. Mm hmm. I think it was just Joe Johnston's design sense taking over. Like he just felt strongly about the change. So they went with it. Right. As an art director. All right. So let, let's actually talk about Cliff a little bit here. Um, what do we think of Cliff? What do we think of, of uh, Billy Campbell? What do we think of Billy Campbell as, as our hero here? He's good in this. I think he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. <laughs> it's a surprising thing that like, like this is the early movie for some people. We'll talk about Jennifer Connelly in a second, but it was the early movie for her and, and she's still going super strong. Yes. Billy Campbell, unfortunately did not get too much no. after this. I and mean, he could have been like, he's got leading man chops in this. Yeah. And then it just, you know, for whatever reasons, he did not work out. I never heard this before, but I saw that he was considered for Riker at one point from Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay, well, then oh, that really? does make sense because he appears on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Early on, I think, in an episode, what's it called? The Outrageous Okona. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's, there's mixed reactions on this episode. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like this episode, though, because he's mm-hmm. playing like, he's supposed to be playing like a cool Han Solo type character. Okay. Yeah. And, and people, People don't think it works. They didn't, uh, right. didn't buy it. Yeah, they didn't buy it. But I could see, like, because Riker's supposed to be, like, the cool Han Solo on the ship anyway. <laughs> right. So I can see them being like, oh, like, he didn't get that, so we'll use him on this. And then the writing, uh, the writing wasn't there for that character, unfortunately. Yeah, he did not. I mean, he's, he's like I said, he's really good in it. I think he looks like he just stepped out of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a great choice. He looks like a catalog model, like like you were saying, like like leading man chops. Like I mean, he's certainly good looking enough, yeah, for for, for leading man stuff, right? If that's if right. that's an important thing, which you know, it is from time to time, it is, <laughs> it uh, is. you know. But no, but, I mean, I th- I thought that was funny. Like they, they had some other choices, but I guess the studio wanted Johnny Depp. 
at one point. Really? I had never well, done that. I read that. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I had that in my notes. That they, they, the one Which I again is so. very early and is would have been early in his career too. Yeah, like yeah. coming straight off a of Twenty One Jump Street almost. Yeah, but they wanted him for it, and then, uh, but Dave Stevens, and I think it was kind of like they were insistent, like, no, we really like again the fact that he looks so much like, um, you know, he has a bit of you know the earnestness, earnestness of Cliff. Mm-hmm. He definitely looks like Dave Stevens' art. That's you know, that's another plus. Yeah, but no, I, th- I think overall, I like, I think overall, he does a great job. I think he's very good as the character. I don't think he is, you know, he's not. An, it's no issue with him whatsoever. Right. He's charming. For yeah. sure, like like I I I get, I get why, why Jenny picks him. Mm-hmm. Also, at the same time, I, I get why Jenny would be upset with him. But you know, I like I like how headstrong he is. Like he, he you know, he's he's uh, you know, I just love that. Like when when he punches the 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 FBI guy, right. <laughs> I, I just love that. I love when he just like just gets mad and hits the guy, and then and then like it. You know, none of it works out because the guy fights back and right. ends up kicking the crap out of him, which which I love. And I just think that there's one of my favorite bits in there is is that scene at the club. It's like in the middle of the movie, right? Which I which I love this bit because you have everybody converging on this club, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like all the mobsters are coming over here, and Cliff is there, and Neville Sinclair is there with Jenny, mm-hmm. right? And then Luther's coming and everything is sort of like coming to this one spot. And I like that there's this one moment where like he breaks a window to get in yeah. and the look of him like reaching in to unlock the door through this broken window that he <laughs> right. just did is so like, I've never done this before. One thing I like, one of, the, one of my favorite bits in it, like I do like the scene where he says, you know, I'm scared enough as it is. Right. Yeah. You know, when he tells people, he's like, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, I'm pretty scared to do this when they're, when they're having to save um, Malcolm in the plane. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole bit of like that's that informs a lot about the characters, the idea of like, oh, no, I mean, yes, I'm stepping up and yes, I'm going to strap, you know, this <laughs> this unlicensed rocket pack on my back. Right. But I, but at the same time, don't, you know, you, 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 I, I'm already frightened. Let's right, not yeah. make it worse by talking about what could possibly go wrong. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a funny bit with PB. And that is like uh, that scene word for word is in the first draft. So they had that, they were committed to that bit of the characters, both okay. characters from early on of he was committed to saving mm-hmm. Malcolm. He was going to do it and was seeking reassurance from right, PB, right. like that this might work. And PB's <laughs> like, we haven't even tested this thing for real yet. <laughs> yeah. Come on, right. Clifford. <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah yeah i like i like all that stuff i thought that stuff is great um one thing i didn't i didn't you know i i i guess i i, I put together from a long time ago that i that I'm in watching it again was when hughes has that moment of like he gets you know finds out that they've they didn't get the rocket back and they've got the vacuum cleaner instead and then mm. he, he he decides that it's not worth it and he's going to talk he tosses the plans into the fire right, right. gets rid of so they can't duplicate and, and, and weaponize this thing. Mm-hmm. And there, and and when I thought about more about Joe Johnson and the fact that he goes on to do First Avenger, I thought of the the idea of the rocket pack being a unique thing, much like Captain America. Like there only was supposed to be one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's that whole bit of like, well, no, we can't have Captain America's the, the super the, the the super soldier serum falling in the wrong hands, nor can we have this rocket as well, which I thought was kind of an interesting parallel between the two. Yeah. But no, I think Cliff, I think Cliff as a, as a, you know, as hearing the, the, the stepping up to it, I think does a great job of trying to be, you know, a hero. Cause again, it's, it's supposed to take place in 38, right? Correct. Right. And we don't know whether or not, no one ever comes out again, a fan service bit. No one ever mentions, you know, and they mentioned a flying man and a rocket man, you know, when the reporters are running in to call in their story. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But they don't ever mention, no one ever makes the, the joke of like, well, you know, we've seen that guy in long underwear. You know, oh yeah. In Action mm-hmm. Comics, there's no mention of that. <laughs> no. Even though Action Comics is like 1930, it's like it's cover. I think it's cover dated April, but it comes out in or it's it's cover dated June, but it comes out in April. Right. So mm-hmm. it could have stayed on on the stands for a lot longer. Yeah. So again, we don't really know if that's the time of. So it's one of those things of in in the in that universe is he like the first, you know, seen flying man. Obviously, it would have been a comic, but still, I would have thought there would have been some allusion to the idea of Superman, but there wasn't one. Right. Right. Again, not that surprising to me. It's Disney. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, it's still one. Of the, it's it, as we get into the more of the you know, as, say what you will. When we get to the more modern era of stuff, I mean, you know, Aunt May mentions Superman. Okay, 
you know, when we're talking, we're talking about more modern superhero movies, mm. there are more nudges and winks to other stuff. So that's why I was kind of like, well, I mean, it just wasn't done back then, I guess. Right. You know, they start to do it in the Batman stuff where, you know, they mentioned that, you know, the guy that worked in, in Metro- you know, unlike yeah, I work alone or whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Cliff is great. I think Cliff is fine. Yeah. I think, I think had I gave this movie a chance as a kid, I would want that toy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. No problem. Like, like, you know, I would love that character as a kid, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. And, and I like, I, I like sort of the, the layered um, aspect to, to, all the characters here were like, yeah, like he's, he's, he's scared out of his gourd, <laughs> but he's right. going to do this thing anyway. And I like, sure. I like also the switching gears to Neville really quick, just to, to reiterate what I'm saying here. Like, I like the idea that Neville is using Jenny, right? Like completely using her to get to the rocket because of what he overhears. Right. right? But then at the same time, like unquestionably becomes attracted to her. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And and I like sort of the layeredness to that too, that like he's using her, but then like he generally actually try is trying to to like steal her away. Right. Also, like he's a legit threat to Cliff over there, which I which is an interesting aspect because not only is your foil trying to steal your girlfriend, like, you know, the third biggest movie star in the world, as he puts it, like the third right. highest grossing <laughs> star in the world, but he's James Bond. <laughs> Sure. Also, oh, yeah. like evil, <laughs> evil James yeah. Bond. He's an evil yeah. James Bond. Yeah. So that's Neville Sinclair, played by Timothy Dalton, who was James Bond <laughs> yes. before that. Not that long ago, too. Right. Not that long prior, in the several, that long several prior, years yeah. leading up to it. And and that was the thing I did not catch when I was a kid because I saw this movie. I was in middle school, I think, when it came out, and I saw this movie opening night. And like, I, I remembered seeing the comics on the shelf at the comic store, but I was too young for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought they like the art looked cool, but I was just picking up my X-Men stuff at that time. <laughs> right. Uh, but I did, you know, was excited about the movie and went, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of the, the golden age Hollywood stuff that I did not quite pick up on. I knew WC fields from Looney Tunes cartoons. Right. So anybody that was ever like imitated by Bugs Bunny, I was like, Oh, that's who that is. I know who that is. Mm-hmm. But the Neville Sinclair thing, I did pick up that it was Errol Flynn. I did know enough from, from the Daffy duck, like Robin Hood <laughs> stuff to know who Errol Flynn was. But what I did not pick up on was that they were using Errol Flynn because of the allegations yes. that Errol Flynn was a Nazi spy <laughs> Yes, from right. a, yes. a biography in the 80s of refuted claims, mm-hmm. unsubstantiated in many ways. But there have just for years before that, there have been claims about Errol Flynn ranging from the him just being like an anti-Semitic fascist sympathizer to mm-hmm. an actual Nazi spy who took orders mm-hmm. from Hitler. Right. And yes. so I did not catch that, that that's what they were playing on at the time I saw it originally. But it's so cool to know, like, that's what they're playing off of. And it's right. like fun. Like, once you learn that, you're like, oh, that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's set, too, for like the, the movie that they're filming, though. I mean, that looks for an old movie, you know, buff like me, like that looks like the Adventures of Robin Hood. Like, right. it does. you know, like, it's, like verbatim. Well, yeah, it looks like they <laughs> rebuilt that set. I mean, if you've ever seen the Adventures of Robin Hood, they have that whole, they have that whole sword fight on the steps. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great scene. And it's one of those things where I remember even when I saw it before, cause I've seen the Adventures of Robin Hood so many times, even when I saw it the first time, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. They're definitely, you know, calling out or basically trying to emulate when that happened. So. Maybe maybe there was fan service to people of <laughs> Errol Flynn. There were fans of Errol Flynn's movies. And W.C. Fields fans. And, Any W.C. And Fields, Fields fans out there. Yes. Which, I, I mean, it sounds like that is the kind of fan service Dave Stevens would be into. He does sure. seem like yeah. he, he loved Golden Age Hollywood. Yes. So that was not too, un, too uh, wouldn't be too unheard of if that right. was the case. But yeah, that scene, like you said, Cliff, and that scene reminds me of the old Looney Tunes where they would have, you know, <laughs> stars of the day. Yeah. In a in a in a in one you know a short or whatever right. and some or sometimes when some way you know, a Bugs Bunny or whoever was emulating or uh, imitating them so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so Neville Sinclair like I said that I agree I agree like I like again I like him fine I think he's a fine villain um you know he's got some great lines in there too you know I like the thing of uh, what was he said about oh when the guy says something about the Nazi says to him when they're on the blimp then we're jumping around. But I have it. I think I have it in my notes. Just the idea of about being an actor, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, 
Oh, that's what it is. The line. No, it's not when the in the, in the blimp. It's when he says the bit about spy, saboteur, fascist. And he's like <laughs> proud of all three of them. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's when Jenny accuses them of. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, like oh, I'm yeah. a what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That old, yeah. That old bit I liked a lot. Yeah, he's good. He's a good villain. He's, it's one of those things where, again, when I was thinking about, you know, just stuff that he does and stuff that he does later, when I'm thinking about, um, was it, is it Luther or Lothar? I can never remember. Luther, I think, is what they, they say. But there's a bit, like, it made me think of, has, has everyone seen Hot Fuzz? Yes. No? Yeah, yeah. You're talking <laughs> about, made, you're talking about um, the guy from, from Game of Thrones. Yeah, because there's a, basically, he's, yeah. the, you know, he's, 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 the, he's the, the bad guy in Hot Fuzz, shocker, right. spoiler. And then he runs around in Hot Fuzz with, um, with the, what is it, the, the Hound? Yeah, in, no. in the, yeah, that's right, Timothy Dalton and then the Hound, the, the Hound yeah, is runs, the big guy in yeah, he runs around with Morgan McCannon. Yeah, as my is Michael Yarp yeah, Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yarp, Yarp, yeah. Yarp. That's his. That's the character, which made me think of that because he's the heavy in 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 Hot Fuzz. Right. So, yeah, the Hound just, from Game no, of Thrones. That's yes, what, the Hound from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Absolutely, this enormous you know man mountain of a man. Yeah, that is funny. He's always teamed up with a big heavy. <laughs> right. Yeah, because he's kind of the suck sw- much. <laughs> no, because he's kind of the suave like. No, you're charming. Yes, he's a villain, but no, he's not a villain. You don't want to think he's a villain, but no, he's a villain. Right, right. So, yeah, it's good. He's good. I like him. All right. So, so what do we think of Jenny then? What do yeah, we think of Jenny? I was going to say, let's get into let's get into Jenny then. No, I like Jenny oh. a lot. I like. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like they they didn't make her a pinup, but they do keep the personalities mm-hmm. from the comic. Like she, like her and and Cliff, in the in the comics, they're a little more over the top at each other, mm-hmm. like always put upon by each other. And they tone that right. down, but not, they don't get rid of it. Like they both, no. they're both like exasperated by each other yeah. <laughs> right. at well, different cr- times I mean, and, and her, and I mean, deservedly so at different times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, they're, you know, they're crazy about each other, right. but they also make each other crazy as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of that in the comics and the, you get some of that in the, in the movie as well. Yeah. And, um, and she does like, I do like that they give her a lot of agency in the movie. Like she's definitely yeah, yeah. like, she's willing to stand up for herself. She doesn't let things go. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she just doesn't exactly. let things slide by mm-hmm. and she can take care of herself. Right. There's a sweetness to the relationship though, too, as much as, as much as they sort of can make each other nuts. Yeah. I think, I think that there is, it's, it's just sort of like, packaged up a little bit too like in in the old style where like you know he's got to go to the house where she's staying and like you know and mm-hmm. ask for permission to take her out like you, you <laughs> right, know right <laughs> oh yeah and there, there 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 is sort of um even though they're not teenagers there's sort of like a teenage love in innocence thing to it which i like right. yeah well they end up i mean they end up getting together as you know outside of the movie as well yeah that's right all right yeah they were yeah, married they were- so they were together in real you know, life in real <laughs> life as well. But no, I like, I, I mean, there was a, you know, looking up stuff about it. There was definitely a, a push to not make her, you know, a damsel in distress. And, you know, there's a lot of bits where she's, you know, smacking people in the heads with, <laughs> with vases right? Yep. Yep. or, you know, statues <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> yep. which is cool. And then, I mean, doesn't she, and I forget, doesn't she like, um, what does she do in the, there's something, oh, she picks up the, the flare gun in yeah, the climax. She, she and shoots the down gun. the Zeppelin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the Zeppelin down. So yeah, there's a lot of cool. I mean, she does a lot of cool. I think a lot of it also was the idea of, you know, while they weren't trying to make it exactly um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm sure there was a lot of the the Marion Ravenwood mm-hmm. talk right. amongst oh. them as well. The idea that they wanted to have a proactive, cause yeah, because she's a similar character in the in the sense that yes, there are moments where she's sort of like a damsel, and there's also moments where you know she's willing to stab. Uh, right, <laughs> yeah. Stab uh, uh, Belloc. You know, we're right. playing the well, f- well, pretend to be drunk in the desert. So, yeah, I, I do love the scene uh, when Neville captures her after she's figured out that he's bad and he reveals himself mm. and and she endangered herself. Like she was, she was free and clear until she sees Cliff is in danger, mm-hmm. and then she goes in and saves him because he would have been killed without her in that right. case. <laughs> Cause, right. cause Luther's got him in his sights and she hits, mm. knocks out Luther right. with, with a vase from the bushes or whatever. She hits him with that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, or no, it's like an ice sculpture. I think she hits him with an ice sculpture at that point, but uh, it's in the scene after that, when she's captive and 
and Neville's trying to play like, uh, like they're forcing me to do this, like, mm-hmm. and is trying to kind of seduce her and play like he's not the big bad. Right. And and starts feeding her lines and she recognizes yeah. all of them from the movies he's been in because he can't say <laughs> yeah, anything great, original. It's a very good bit. Yeah. 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 And, it's then, a good bit. and then she leads him on and then knocks him out with a vase. And, yeah. and I love her line where she's like, well, I did get to play a scene with Neville Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I mean, it's one of the things where early and they and they set that up early when they when when they, she goes to the boarding house or whatever to pick her up when Cliff goes to get her. You know, she wants to see a Neville Sinclair movie and he wants to see a Cagney movie. Right. And it's one of those things where I, I'm, I'm guessing from what we see of, of them, she wins out what they see at the movies quite often right. because she knew all of the Neville Sinclair stuff. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. No, I like that bit. I like I thought that was cool, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And of course, she has a great rock who line <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> at the club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That bit is great, too. Yeah, she was busy. Yeah. She was working yeah. all day. Yeah, I was working mm-hmm. all day. Jeez, gee <laughs> yeah. whiz! Do, haven't seen the papers. I've been working all day. Like, yeah, I love that bit. All right, what about Alan Arkin though? Let's get into him because PV. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, he I, I steals the movie. I think. <laughs> no, I think. I think there's you know there's again when you talk about like great lines in the movie. I'm, I love the bit of you know when the when the <laughs> when the plane's on fire and he's just like well. That's the end of that. <laughs> you know, after after they come after the the shootout. Right. Right. You know, their their they, first plane. Their first yeah. in the opening scene. Yeah. When that first plane goes, he's, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> no, Ark Adelon is great. He just yeah. does a great I mean, he's awesome as PV. Yeah, so um, like PV's the mechanic, uh just mm-hmm. you know, refresher. Is is Cliff's like old buddy mechanic that that helps him fix up all the planes to try to get them just to because they're racers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like they they keep talking about nationals, so I guess they're right. trying yes. to race their planes, and then yeah, a little yeah. little feeling of going to regionals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, there's a little there's a little Marty and Doc Brown there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, sure. you know it's it's one of those things where he you know he design realize he puts it together the idea that no you need to you need a helmet to help you steer right yeah you know if you if you turn your head this way it's going to make you go this way if, you know it's not just it's not just a decorative thing which I don't think. I don't think it's in the comics. It's, I mean, I could, the helmet's in the comics. No, 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 no. I mean, like the whole idea of like the, the, but the reasoning the, for no, it. I can't, I've read the comics, but I can't remember the details. Right. I can't either. It's been a long time. And I didn't get, I didn't get a chance to look at the comics before I have them. Like, I don't know if they ever explained that it's a rudder. <laughs> like that's right. the point of it. Well, it's also one of those things where when you, when you look at, uh, when, when, when they finally get, when Marvel finally makes Iron Man, that's one of the things that they talk about the idea that, wasn't always there in the armor was the idea of like, no, this is more like an aircraft. Okay. Mm. And that's done that way to make it so that he can steer better. Right. But it, it's a lot of the same premise. Yeah. I guess. And I do know like that PV, like PV as a character in that dynamic with him and Cliff was there from the original comics, like from the first oh, yeah. published yeah. comics. So that's, mm. that's pushing like 19, what was it? 82, 83 that the first mm. comic came out. We said, yep. So I couldn't, I, I didn't actually track down like when the first comic came out. I just know that he, he had sold the rights in 83 and, and, it, and it was sold pretty quickly. Yeah. So I the think. comic might've been 82. Right. In Star Slayers number two. I, I just think like when it comes to PV, I just think like there's so many quotable lines from him in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, we don't have a house. We have a gazebo. Right. <laughs> After the shootout with uh, the feds yeah. and, and Lothar. Now we know his name is Lothar. Right. We did have to look up that correction. I love the bit too, where he was like, you haven't had a date since like 1932. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, Flora Maxwell didn't need <laughs> to after. Yeah. But my favorite is when he, when he tells Howard Hughes, it's simple aviation, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How he fixed the engine. You. Yeah. PV's wonderful. I, I, like, I mean, he's just, he, He's so perfect as him. And, and, you know, unassuming for, for me, because like, you know, I, I did not know Alan Arkin from a lot of stuff at that point. I mean, he's, he's nominated virtually every year for best supporting actor now at this point, like over the last couple of years. But I mean, at the time when this, like, like, let's go over it. Like how, how big a star was Alan Arkin at this point? How big of a get was he in this movie? I'm curious because would he have been the biggest star at this point? I think Timothy Dalton would have been the biggest star. Yeah, probably. At that point. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, of course. Bond. Okay, but 
So he's a pretty big get at this point, but so what about Alan Arkin and, and Paul Sorvino at this point too? Sorvino, this is pretty early in Sorvino's career. Yeah, he wasn't uh, as, actually. Yeah, okay. he wasn't as notarized. In fact, I think I was reading somewhere that Lloyd Bridges was supposed to be PV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which okay. would have been very interesting. I think. Uh, did uh Sorvino play Eddie Valentine? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the monster. They wanted Pesci for that role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Shoot for the yeah. moon. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to me, there's a lot of notable. I mean, actors. and he did Home Alone like a year. Before this, yeah, truly not inconceivable that he would sign on for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this is his comedic years, isn't it? I mean, yeah. this is after he comes off of playing um, mobster roles. But this is this will be more in a comedic fashion that mm-hmm. starts to approach his career at this point, as far right. as Pesci's concerned. But not the same thing. But Sorvino was, uh, but Terry O'Quinn's in it in his early years. I mean, he had hair yeah. in this movie, right? <laughs> you know. It's a long time before Lost. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, indeed. But Polito was a uh, in this movie, uh, and to me, Margot Martindale was my surprise. Right. Person that was you in that, that? <laughs> No, I did not. Yeah, I'm always surprised that William Sanderson's in it, and he he doesn't even have a line. I don't think. No, not he's got, yeah, he's got like one yeah. or two. Yeah, he's got That's like it. one line. Yeah, yeah. You know, that guy's a great actor, or yeah. was a great actor, and they don't use him. Like overall, like the cast feels like it should be the cast from a Coen Brothers movie, but barely any of these people were in Coen Brothers <laughs> no, movies either. They feel point. like they yeah. should have been in a Coen Brothers movie, for right. a supporting cast. No, it feels like casting for a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I, I always thought the Lothar looked like a Dick Tracy villain. I thought for sure. I thought that's the push that they were going for. Right. He, stumbled yeah. off, he, stumbled, he stumbled off their lot into this one. Yeah, I was going to bring up. It was like two years in a row. We got like a Marv looking character, like a Sin City Marv looking character. Because yeah. you get one in, in Dick Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, the hobo. Yeah. The toy that they discontinued. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then Lothar in this. But yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Lothar was based on a real life actor who looked like that. Wow. The real life actor uh, was not that big. That's okay. the only that's the only difference is the real life actor was not that large, but he would kind of portray large through camera tricks and some of the stuff he did for Universal, like mm-hmm. like the brute man that we talked about. But uh, yeah, it was a real life actor who was from uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, which I only because oh, wow. that's not far from us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did not know that. And that was Rondo. Tiny Ron. No, not Tiny Ron. That was that was the actor was Tiny Ron. Ah, okay. The actor who plays Lothar was Tiny Ron, but Rondo Hatton is the actor that that Lothar was based on. Gotcha. So yeah, it is it is funny because he does look like he's made up. Like there was yeah. extensive makeup yes. to make to make this guy look like Rondo Hatton actually looked. Right. Yeah. And it gives it it gives the movie some charm. I think. I think mm-hmm. you know. Uh, depending whether or not you you can look past like sort of the the limitations of makeup and and effects in movies and stuff like that i think will will you know lend a hand whether or not you're able to enjoy this movie or not but i i think that you know lothar's makeup adds some charm to it and it looks like it's no picnic to wear right <laughs> yeah. clifton i know I, I mean you know makeup and right. like and that makeup looks heavy to 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 walk around with, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's probably foam latex, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. not all heavy, but you can't you can't really emote, and it's like it's a full appliance to his face. Right. Mm. Hours in the chair. Yeah. We did talk about Eddie Jones, Malcolm. Oh no, we did not. Yet. No, no, we didn't. No, okay, okay. I wasn't sure if I'm. Like, I don't think we mentioned him. So let's, Malcolm. Yeah. What do you think of Malcolm? <laughs> well, I mean, I like you know, I, I'm the whole time I'm thinking, well, look, there's there's a Paul Kent, uh, right? Because <laughs> that's who he goes on to be. So he's good. I mean, he, he, for the part that he played, you know, the the the, the part we needed to play in the movie, he's good. He's mm-hmm. kind of you know the he's a little absent minded, but right. Well, the the one that I thought was um that, that I didn't realize in any time I've ever viewed it was the guy that plays Wilmer, the guy that's driving along being chased by the the feds mm-hmm. oh yeah the first the first guy who steals the rocket and stashes it in the hangar yeah he's played by an actor named max grodenchek okay i never knew that what he was famous for yeah rom good i said i was gonna say rom yeah he plays rom on d space nine yeah oh, oh okay. really? i didn't know that either 
Yeah, apparently he's he was you know he's well known for playing the Ferengi Rum, and then also the fact that the he's very well versed in the rules of acquisition. If you're familiar with Star Trek <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, at all, yes. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool because I as soon as I as soon as I saw that that he was Rom, I was like, oh yeah, of course he is. So <laughs> yeah, but you said um, Tom, you said uh, Margot Martindale. Yeah, Margot Martindale. The, um, she's Millie, the diner owner. Yeah, yeah. Millie. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the first plays I ever saw, her. and then she's also in, really great in a movie called uh, Nobody's Fool with Paul Newman. She's great in that too. Plays okay. a similar role in a modern day thing, but yeah, she's good in that too. I, it's one of the things where like there's a ton of people in that movie that go on to do a lot of great things. Yep, like Jan from The Office. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Martindale was recently Ma Beagle on yeah. the 2017 Ducktales cartoon. There's yes. that as well. <laughs> And yes, Jan from The Office was the singer in the South Seas Club. Yep. Ah, okay. The Iceberg Lounge. Singing the old swing standards. So yeah. we got, we got a, a, just a little bit of time left. So what are, what are some standout moments from this movie? What, what are our favorite bits? What, you know, let them rip. Go ahead. I say every scene with Peavy. <laughs> <laughs> they are all good. Yep. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Yeah, like, like a hood ornament. <laughs> Clifford, I love that Cliff wears his 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 quote unquote costume under his waiter's outfit when he goes to the club. Me too. Yeah. In, typi- <laughs> in, typ- in typical in typical in typical superhero fashion, I laughed out loud. I was like, "Oh wow, he's so wearing that." I mean, it's you know, if you ever waited tables, that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst thing in the world. But the fact that he's wearing it underneath is just awesome. Yep, you so. see the cuffs sticking out. Yep. Mm-hmm. it's great. But at the same time, yeah. that jacket ha- does have a lot of buttons. So. Yes, <laughs> like that yes. is a pain to take on and off. And yeah. but. But Indiana Jones does the same thing in Last Crusade. Sure. He does. Sure. In a blimp, no less. Yeah, in a blimp. Yeah, yeah. He, put, he puts the waiter outfit on top of the leather jacket. Yes. <laughs> that is that is one thing I noticed in the first draft to the later drafts in the movie is that there's no, the, the whole Zeppelin thing was not in the first draft. In the first draft, the Nazis are on a sub. Yeah. That surfaces. Oh. And I thought, like, of course, like. It took them a while to figure out that they should have an airship in their Rocket Man, <laughs> in their Rocket Man climax. Right. Actually, okay. Let me let me ask you this, Clifton. Uh, since you brought up the 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 drafts before, mm-hmm. is there anything that you saw in any of the drafts that was cut that you thought, like, man, I wish th- I wish that was left in? That's a great that's a great moment. That's a great bit. Uh, yeah. Early the early introduction. Actually, the first scene plays out a lot differently in the script, and I think the problem i think why they couldn't translate it was limitations in effects in Mm. 1991 okay i think in a cg world now that we could like they could do anything they want now but at the time they were doing very practical effects right Mm -hmm. and and there's just a little bit in the opening chase scene and some of it doesn't make sense in the script because i'm like no that wouldn't happen because planes don't work like that right (laughs) (laughs) uh but there's one thing, because in, in the opening scene, when he's in his racer and the mob's being chased by the feds because they stole the rocket, but we don't know all of this yet. We just know there's a chase going on. And like one of the, the mobsters just starts randomly shooting at the plane. Mm. And, mm. and that's what downs his plane and, right. and puts him out of nationals. In the script, the mobster with the Tommy gun gets shot by one of the feds. And it's in that action that he flails out of control and shoots uh. the plane. And I was like, well, that makes more sense to me. It does too. I have in my notes too that moment. I'm like, if that, if that gangster doesn't shoot the plane, we have no movie. Yeah. Right. We have no movie. And I, and my thought was like, does, did he think that the feds had a plane and were chasing after him? (laughs) That was my thought too. In the movie, in the movie, I'm like, yeah, that must like, that's the only explanation there is. But in the script, it was that he gets shot and then shoots out of control. Like with the Tommy gun, just still firing and, you know, carries them upwards. Right, right, and backwards, and I was like, "Yeah, that that would have worked better." But I yeah. think again, like working the practical effects that they were doing, they just couldn't quite pull it off. Mm. But yeah, I mean, most of it's the first half of it's very, very similar, and then it just starts going uh, a little off the rails, <laughs> a little different. The whole like finale in the first script takes place in the South Seas Club, so that whole scene gets moved to the end mm. and is actually okay. the climax. That makes sense because it felt very climaxy to me yeah. watching it. I'm like, oh, this is in the middle of the movie. And and like I said, everybody's converging on that moment and it feels right. very like building up to that crescendo in that right. moment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which it all culminates with the sub coming out of the ocean because the South Seas <laughs> with the South Seas Club in the 
in the script is like on the coast like it's on okay. a cliff overlooking the pacific okay that and, sounds awesome. and there's, there's like a very questionable musical number that's happening in the script right. <laughs> It has to do with like, like they've apparently in the script in the South Seas Club, all the waitresses are wearing like sarongs. So they're trying to look like South Pacific natives. Uh, and then there's like, there's like tribal men in like, like witch doctor masks. That's are they, think, are they singing anything goes? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay. But uh, I mean, I think that's what they were going for. But I think they realized by like 1990, that might not be a good idea. Miraculously, somehow they've decided that. Right. Uh, Because I'm like, yeah, this is a little awkward. I'm like, this is reading a little bit problematic. And Mm -hmm. then so they cut all that stuff, luckily. But it does lead to like one of my favorite scenes does happen in the climax of the movie at the Griffiths Observatory with the, the Zeppelin overhead. And it's when the mobsters find out that Neville Sinclair is a Nazi. That's a great. That, bit. that was one of my favorite bits as a kid. It's still one of my favorite bits mm-hmm. when Cliff tells him, like, what does it feel like working for a Nazi, Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Eddie's like, wait, what? <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> like this mobster criminal. We've seen this whole movie. And then and Neville's like, what does it matter? I'm paying you. Like who does it, right. what does it matter what who I work for? Right. And and then they all turn on on him and then the nazis come out and then you get the whole shootout where it's the not where it's the mobsters mm-hmm. side by side with the fbi yep. Yep. shooting at nazis like yeah. nazi soldiers coming out of the woods it's a great bit it's yeah. so awesome. i love that whole scene yeah, yeah i love a bit that, that when i love that part when paul sorvino looks at the one uh woolly the yeah. one fbi agent and gives him a grin of like yeah man we're killing nazis there's <laughs> <laughs> right. no problem with it um one of the other things uh, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that too because um, there's a, 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 a intercompany crossover between Marvel and DC with Captain America and Batman set in the 30s or the 40s. And there's a similar bit in that that I, I, to me, is I've always thought it was lifted straight from Rocketeer where the Joker is working with Red Skull until he finds out that he's a Nazi. Okay. And the same thing is like, dude, I'm crazy, but I'm not working with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Um, I, what I also thought was funny was the fact that in the club, Neville Sinclair has chloroform at the ready. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Right? That to right. me was just like odd. Like he just he just had it. There yeah. was no, mm-hmm. you know, I have to go to I have to go to the 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 the, the, the I don't know a medical place, like, you know, an office where they have the, their first aid kit somewhere right. <laughs> within the building. Right. Nope, just had it on him, ready yeah. to go. You know, gives it to Jenny and she's out. So yep. I thought that was that I had not remembered that that was the case. Um, that to me. Oh, I also like the bit because you have to have it to get the the the, the bit started. Is the laundry shoot bit mm-hmm. where without that, I mean, I guess they could use a dumb waiter, right. but again, you know, that would have been a tougher tougher sell. But I think the laundry shoot in within the the club works really well for mm-hmm. Cliff to fire the rocket within a building. <laughs> right, right. I love when he's rescuing Malcolm that his head goes through the bottom of the plane. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> too. I love that. Right. Like, like there's there's a there's a fun reoccurring gag in this movie of cliff bumping his head a lot and i just love that it's it's just so much like he's in over his head he's right you know headstrong all those things and it's just like it, it, another another th- i i love these these heroes that kind of are just just scraping by right <laughs> And so that's one of my favorite bits. It's, you know, he's he's going to this glorious rescue and boom, his head just goes through the thing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> And just going back to like another possible, you know, golden age era Easter egg is when they do their first test with the rocket, they steal a statue of Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, that's a nice one. Bit. And strap yeah, like it to Lindbergh. Too. And then that's when they, and it, and it like destroys the head of the statue. Right. And that's when they're like, yeah, we need a helmet. Yep. But I was like, like Lindbergh was another possible Nazi sympathizer. So yep. right. <laughs> like they're not kind to the, the possible Nazi sympathizers in mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. I liked a bit with PV at the end with that's terrible. That was a nice car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another great line. Right. Well, I do think it's, I do think it's funny that when they're in the, um, up until the point they tease the, you know, they they foreshadow or they, they, they front sell the idea of, Hey, that blimp is full of hydrogen. They say, tell you from like early on in the movie that it's full of hydrogen. I think it's even the newsreel. Right. Yeah. The um, newsreel like, mentions that it's coming to LA and says, look us up when you get to Hollywood boys. Right, and there's they're afraid of a stray shot, but when Jenny pulls out that flare gun, no one's like, "Hey, hey, 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 
No, Cliff tells her not to yeah. shoot. He tells I her know, not to shoot. I know, but it's definitely a moment of no one seems to remember that they're in a giant hydrogen blimp <laughs> or Zeppelin. That you know, don't do that. It seems it just seemed to me like it was a little delay. I mean, granted, for for sake of story, you have to, otherwise you don't have your, your bit on top of it. But right. you know, it's very much the idea of like, oh no, this thing's gonna blow up at any moment, and it sort of does it in waves so they have their moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to engulfed and fall, you know, in flames all at once. So, any other great bits from it? Any other things that we we want to talk up? Favorite moments? I do like that Eddie is the first one to shoot. Okay, like Eddie. Eddie has and finally when he's just like, all right, no, you know, the only way we're getting out of this is he just has no hesitation of just firing a Tommy gun into the Nazis, right? <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is for a Disney movie. Again, it's one of those they don't they don't shy away from from killing Nazis. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. You can do whatever you want to them, though. And it's not, it's uh, fine. Sure. Nobody, like we said, it's like robots. Robots and Nazis, right. you can do whatever you want to. And zombies. Well, I mean, the other thing is when Tom, Tom and I were talking about the fact that there's, I mean, there's a whole lot for, for, we were talking about before the episode, before we recorded, was the idea that there's a whole lot of Nazi imagery in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As well as burning flags. Yeah. Right. The animated so, bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, 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 the animated the, plan that was. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Nazi rocket men taking over, mm-hmm. <laughs> taking over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's definitely the, the, in the propaganda film, it's basically, they said, I wrote it down. I translated it. What did they say? It says, but basically it's almost like today. Oh yeah. Here it is. It's a new approach you know, is what it says in German. And the last bit is today, Europe, tomorrow, the world. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So we are, um, so unfortunately this movie did not get a sequel. So we will close out on what we would have liked to have seen if a hypothetical Rocketeer 2 was ever getting made. But first, mm-hmm. if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is.com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And finally, if you have any ideas for a topic on the show, shoot it to us on Twitter or in the comments. Our Twitter handle is our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. All right, we're taking pitches for Rocketeer 2. What do you guys got? As you should say, this it comes up every few years that there's news in the mm-hmm. trades that they're developing the Rocketeer sequel. Right. Like going yeah. back for a while now, like every couple of years, that story will come out. Yeah, they break my heart always. <laughs> and it just came out again about a year ago. I think there was a rumor that it's being developed as a Disney Plus original. Yeah, there's talk of a sequel uh, there. So eh, maybe it'll happen. So so you got to watch Mighty Ducks and make sure that it does well. So they make Rocketeer too. <laughs> right. Well, they I mean, they had the animated, the animated, you know, yeah. about his, mm-hmm. his, I think it was his, his granddaughter, his great granddaughter. Right. And that was... And that was that was the thing because I like one of the rumored sequels was basically that. Yeah. And and then I was like, well, maybe they were just confused and maybe they mm-hmm. just heard the animated series was coming and didn't realize that that wasn't the sequel. And but basically, it's it's someone gets sends his great granddaughter a, a rocket pack and then you know has a helmet and she plays she ends up being the rocketeer and like they're in the town where um there's a there's a statue to Cliff Secord as being the rocketeer. You know, it's common knowledge that, you know, I think it's common knowledge. Definitely the Rocketeer existed, mm-hmm. but we don't know who sent the rocket pack. I didn't see the whole season. I only watched some of it with my daughter, Okay, but um, she liked it. You know, and the one things were, and I know that uh, Billy Campbell came back and did the voice work for it. <laughs> oh, right? Nice. For some of the flashback. It's young like, though, right? Like it's, it's for oh, like it's preschool a, it's, age, it, right? Well, it's yeah, a little bit older. I mean, she's okay. like, I mean, the thing about it, it's hard to believe is she's like seven. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like believable to a point. Right. You know, the, the seven-year-old be able to, you know, maintain a rocket and, and not not <laughs> right. die horribly. So, but yeah, it, I mean, it was cute. I mean, I know there were a lot of dicks on the internet that were pissed off about it, but at the same time, it was, it, they paid homage to what had come before. It wasn't like they were saying there was never a rocketeer. Right. Mm-hmm. And it worked. As a story, it works fine, especially for right. little kids. Yeah. But I, if I got a sequel for Rocketeer, I would like to see them, um, because originally in the comic, the, the Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes, uh, not a character, but the movie, it's a character. Um, originally it was Doc Savage. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved to see them do something with, along those lines with Doc Savage or some kind of character along the lines of, you know, that had it under control as being a hero. Cause again, Cliff would play against the idea of, you know, this is what being, you know, being a rough and tumble Nazi fighter would be like, even though he's not. Right. So I would like to see him kind of either, you know, Doc, uh, Doc Brass or a Doc Savage type character, you know, have to be the one that Cliff has to deal with good or bad. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would want. Okay. Tommy Clifton. Yeah. I mean, I would, they've, they've, they've talked about like modernizing it in different versions. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I definitely like, I, I still wanted in a period piece. 
Yeah. Like an Ooh. alternate history period piece. Mm. So maybe not Nazis. Cause we'll say, say he beat the Nazis. Right. And so some kind of threat, but around that same time period, like pushing into the forties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta do like crystal skull and be like cold war. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, push yeah. it up like, yeah. 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 I'm curious what it would look like if it was modern day. I just think it would look odd. Right? Yeah. You know, I think, and I think that's kind of the neat thing is that like when I think about Rocketeer, I think thirties and it's not just because of the movie, but it's like, well, I mean, it's, it's got a baked in like art deck, art yeah. deco retro futurist aesthetic to yeah. it. That's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of the comics too, because I mean, like you know, there was there was a um, you know a lot of shorts that that, that came out, and uh, you know, Mark Wade had a little bit of a run with Rocketeer. Like, no, nobody modernized it in any of right. that, in yeah. any of those books, um, which which are all awesome. You guys should check them out. <laughs> yeah, from IDW. Oh. Yeah, Tommy, any ideas oh. for a sequel? Oh, I was going to say blend it in with um, Adam Strange, make him the descendant of the Rocketeer. No, oh, wow. <laughs> When he comes into it, find out that he's related to him, and then his granddad was the Rocketeer, you know? That's cool. And then <laughs> have him ex- have him fight it, you know, it, just make a through line for him. That's why he's natural with it when he goes to Rand, mm-hmm. that mm. type of thing. But make a callback thing that his his father the grand- was the grandfather of the Rocketeer that he wasn't aware about. That's why I make the sequel. Right. Yeah, I'm... I'm- I don't quite know exactly what I would want because I'll just, I'll, I'll watch anything for it. You know what I mean? This is one of those things where I'll be very honest with you. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of the 30 year after the thing we love sequel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm getting a little tired of that. But that's how you get the original actors to come back and do cameos. But, but yeah, but, but this is, this is a, one of the weird instances where like, Alan Arkin's still around. Jennifer Connelly's still around. Billy Campbell's still around. Like, like almost everybody like attached to this movie is still around Mm -hmm. and it can still work, you know? So, you know, I don't know. Uh, Reboot sequel. I'll take it either way. I just love the character. I love it. I just want more, (laughs) you know? So, okay. Listeners hit us up on Twitter or in the comments. Let us know what you guys think. As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on let me know how it is.com. Please remember to like us and follow us on social media. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in a week.